If you've not been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, then just to fill you in, we've started a series looking at the Gospel of John. John was a mate of Jesus who wrote down loads of the things he saw and did in an eyewitness account. And we've been looking at some of these statements that Jesus makes that John records that we call I am statements, where Jesus will say, you know, the first one is I am who I am sort of thing. And last week, I am the bread of life. And so we're looking at some of these statements over the next few weeks and just putting out what, what does it mean about who Jesus is to us and how is it relevant to today. And today is maybe one of, one of the most famous, maybe the most well-known statements that Jesus makes, which is the phrase, I am the light of the world. And so we're going to look at that in, in John chapter 8, so you can begin to turn there and really drawing out, well, what, what, thing we want to draw, what gives Jesus the right to say that? You know, what, what kind of, under what authority does he say? That's the question that gets asked of him. Uh, and we're going to look at three things really about, um, I guess, that, which gives Jesus license to say it, or which show that he is the light of the world. The first is his own declaration. Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. After that, we see that the Father bears witness to it. And then we see that his, his resurrection, Jesus says, is going to demonstrate it. And so we're going to look at those together, starting at verse 12. So you can turn in your Bibles there, and I'm going to uh, begin reading. Chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it's written that the testimony of two men is true. I'm the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke to them in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, you're from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of God. So Jesus begins verse 12 with this declaration. 
He's just come from uh, debating with the Pharisees uh, because they've been uh, condemning a woman caught in adultery, and he's he's basically saying, "No, you, uh, she's not condemned before me." And he and he kind of he really corrects and rebukes them, and then he finds himself in another dialogue, and so he says again. Jesus said to them, Jesus spoke and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Now this statement would have caused a stir. It was a controversial thing to say. And we know that because later on in verse 20, John decides to give us the detail that even though this was in a public place in, in, in the temple courts area, they didn't arrest him. Why does John kind of choose to tell us? Well, they didn't arrest him. It's because almost like that's, it was probably some of the things he was saying it wouldn't have been surprising if people were to arrest him. You know, you, you, that's the only reason you would say that. You know, if, if I said to, gave you a report, oh, so and so, you know, oh, John went to the shop and he bought loads of clothes and, 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 and he paid for everything in his bags and he left out and walked past the police and they didn't arrest him. You'd think, well, of course they didn't arrest him. No, but if I said to you, oh, this, you know, this guy John, he went to the shop and he stole all these clothes, he shoved them in bags and he left and he walked straight past the police and they didn't arrest him. You'd be like, oh, that's a bit surprising. And that's the sort of note that John is saying. These are controversial things that Jesus is saying, but they didn't arrest him. And the reason it's controversial is because he's really saying that he is the Messiah. Lots of the Old Testament alludes to it. There's prophecies and promises. So in Isaiah 49, for example, uh, talking about the promise of the Messiah, it talks about how there's going to be one who is going to be a light to the Gentiles. And there's other similar prophecies like that. And so when Jesus stands before them all and says, I am the light of the world, that, that was like, oh, you're basically saying you're the Messiah. You're basically saying that's who you're trying to say you are. And, and he says it, I am the light of the world. And uh, in, in many ways, it, it's kind of Jesus is saying, and whoever follows me, I love it, whoever follows me doesn't walk in darkness, but walks in light. It's interesting that Jesus wants to really make that point here. Whoever, there's, a, there's a, an invitation here. This is not simply a kind of, you know, I love that it. it's anyone. It's, it's an open invitation. Whoever you are, whether you're old, whether you're young, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're educated, whether you don't have education, whether you, you were raised in a, a broken family or this perfect nuclear family, whatever it is, he doesn't care about your background or your class or your upbringing. Whoever follows me will walk in the light. And even that is, is fascinating because Jesus has given us an insight into what the Christian life really is. It's, it's following him. It, it's, it's doing as he says, it's going as he goes, it's, 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 it's obeying and following his voice. As a Christian, you say, I'm a follower of Jesus because he's not static. He doesn't stand still. A lot of light sources in, in the scriptures you maybe that sometimes get used, like a lampstand or, or, or even the sun, they're, they're things that, that stay pretty still. <laughs> in fact, Jesus is, is not light. He's the light of the world, but he's, he's on the move. And he says, if you follow me, if you come after me, then in the end, he goes, you're walking in light. Because everyone else, he says before, is they're walking in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. I just, just want to ponder on that and what it means to walk in the light. Because you see this sort of uh, parallel about walking in light and walking in darkness. And in fact, you see something similar. It comes up again in the scriptures. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5. What it means to be children who walk in the light or children who walk in the darkness. And you see the, these kind of opposites. 
And, and, and on this thing about opposites, it's fascinating because you might have heard Andrew, um, Andrew Walton spoke about this once before, her, about when you have a lot of opposites, they tend to kind of rub alongside one another. Uh, you're not kind of, one doesn't necessarily always dominate the other. So let's say uh, good and evil, for example. At times it seems that like evil might prevail, at times it seems good will prevail. In, in films, when there's good and evil, it's kind of like they run alongside each other and in the end, good might win, but it's, it's a close call. Or um, black and white. One doesn't dominate the other. You put the two together, you, you don't get black or white, you get grey. Or peace and, and war. It's peace hasn't dominated war. War hasn't dominated peace. Or wealth and poverty. Poverty kind of hasn't eliminated wealth. Wealth hasn't eliminated poverty. You get all of these things where they kind of coexist and, and neither can dominate the other. But when it comes to light and darkness, it's completely different. Light always wins. You could put yourself in the darkest room possible, like literally pitch black, sealed, you can't see your hand two inches in front of your face. It could be this large room and it's so dark. If you got out a light or a smallest little candle and you lit it, suddenly light has won. No amount of darkness in the room can swallow up that light. There's something about even the smallest amount of light will conquer all of that darkness. It can't be put out. And so, and, and so you see, and so Jesus is referring to himself in that, that I am the light of the world, the, the only light, the true light, the, the thing that really conquers darkness. And he says, and, and then he invites everybody and anybody to say, if you, your life has been walking in darkness, but if you follow me, if you, if you come with me, if you get to know me, then, then you won't be walking in darkness, but you'll walk in the light of life. And so it ponders the question to us that we, we must ask before we move on is, is what is your light? What is the, the thing for you in your life that in dark moments, in tough moments, in hard moments will be a light to you? It might be a whole range of things. It might just be a holiday at the, at the end of the year. It, it might be, uh, you know, getting to the end of the week and just having a beer or a glass of wine or being able just to binge watch loads of telly on the weekend and, and smash through a load of series or, or just get in, or, or food, something you think, yeah, I'm gonna, that's gonna give me real comfort and light, a nice take or, or whatever it is. Or maybe just a rant, getting loads of things off your chest and, and ranting to someone about this and that or, or going on a shopping spree or, or all of these things. And I'm not saying that these, these are awful things. You know, I enjoy, like I said, a holiday or a beer as much as the next man. But if these things are your light, I, I'll put it to you that they're like one of those Cheap little tea lights you get, like 100, 200 in a pack from Wilco or something that last about an hour and a half and the smallest bit of wind will fluff it out. Then they're useless or, or even worse than that, like those naff kids candles that you get on cakes that by the time you've lit one and gone to the other, that one's gone out and you kind of see parents spending about three minutes just trying to get four candles lit only for a kid just to spit all over it as they blow anyway. And you think, these, these, are, these are naff, they, 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 they go out, they're, they're no good. They don't last, they're, they're temporary and they're weak and they're flimsy. But when you're light, when you follow Jesus, the light of the world, he's the only light that doesn't go out, that can't be snuffed out, that doesn't grow dim. He's the light that shines in the darkness, the true light. And we have an invitation to follow him, to walk in the light of life. And so that's the first thing we get. Jesus with this declaration, I am the light of the world. Well, after that, as the passage goes on, we see that the Pharisees, they, they just completely miss it. 
They, they don't want to kind of hear it at all. They're like, what you, your testimony is not true. You're just speaking about yourself. They're, they're cynical. They, they, they're missing the point. They're thinking of Old Testament laws. So if you go back into the first part of the Bible in, in Deuteronomy 17.6, there's these verses that talk about how the testimony relies on one or two others. They're like, you, 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 you're kind of, it's just you speaking of yourself. In, in modern day language, I would say if they were from South London, it would have been a bit like Jesus has kind of walked into a pub rather than a temple and he said, I am the light of the world, I'm the Messiah. And they sort of turn around and say, well, says who? And if Jesus was from South London, he'd say, well, says me. And if you've got a problem, we can we'll go outside, we'll have a straight, you know. But Jesus is not from South London, although he does love South London. Jesus is from heaven. And so he, he says something very different. He, verse 14, he basically says, listen, even, even if, you're trying to say under whose, whose ground says who, is it just you saying, even if it was me who's just saying that, it would be true because my testimony is true. But in verse 18, he says, in fact, my father bears witness about me. It's, it's not just me, it's my father that bears witness. In, in many ways, what Jesus is trying to say is that I'm not just here of my own accord. I'm not just here to point to myself and, and do things for myself. I'm here because the Father has sent me, bears witness to me, and I point to the Father. And throughout this passage, he keeps talking about him and the Father. He's like, I don't judge. It's the Father and I that judge. I, I, I'm not just here of my own accord. In fact, it's the Father. You say you want two people. Well, I say it of myself. And the Father bears witness to who I am. And, and, and that is, if you like, for, for, for Jesus. Uh, and later on he says, that's where my authority comes from. You, you must understand about Jesus. His, his whole ministry, his whole life, who he is, is dependent upon his relationship to and his submission to and the authority he gets from the Father. You see, Jesus is not kind of this sort of, uh, like we'd get today in this, in this desire to be independent. He's, he's not sort of this person who's trying to crave just to be independent, kind of find his own way. You know, I'll kind of carve my own path, do it my own way, stand on my own two feet. I'll do my thing. I've arrived now. I've done a few miracles, said a few things. That, that wasn't how Jesus operated, kind of craving dependence or freedom away from his father. In fact, the very opposite. Everything he does he says, no, I, I, I do it in the will of the Father. I, I, I do it in submission to the Father. I do it in obedience and, 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 and he bears witness to me and I, give, and I give testimony to him and I point to him. And you see that everything he does comes out of this relationship that they have with one another. In fact, later on in the passage, he says, it's he who sent me and he's not left me alone. It kind of comes out of that. Everything he does, he says, this is his, his foundation because he knows who he is. And he, and he says that to the disciples, I know who I am. I know where I've come from. You don't even know who I am or where I come from. Reminds me a little bit of the, of the, um, the, the C.S. Lewis books, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. If you know them, they've become films, Narnia. And if you don't know them, you get these four characters, Peter and Edmund, Lucy uh, and Susan. And they are just four regular kids, right? They're, they're kind of, they've been evacuated during the war and they find themselves stumbling through this wardrobe in this old house and they enter into this other world, this completely other. And, but in that world, they're no longer just regular kids. They actually, it becomes established, they're kings and queens. And it's, they're kind of, they've got all this authority and all this power. And then every now and again, they'll get sucked back out of that world into that one 
when they're just regular kids again. And you can imagine that they would have been treated like kids, spoke to like kids. Maybe kind of teachers and friends and others might say things, might insult, might say this and that. And, and deep down they're probably thinking, if, if, you, if you knew who I was, if you, if you knew who we really were, there's kind of this, this is the sentiment you get from Jesus. It's like, you, I'm from another world. If, if you knew who I was, if you knew the authority that I carried, if you really knew, and Jesus knows it of himself, which is why he's not phased by the things they've got to say and the things they've got to do. He's like, no, this is, this is literally who I am. And, 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 and you see it throughout the Gospels, this relationship. It's why in Matthew 3, when it says, the, the Father delights in this is my son of whom I'm well pleased. And it's Matthew 17, it says, I delight in him. John 6, it says, it's my will that he'll be glorified. And here again, you get it where it says, no, we are together, we are one. He has not left me alone. So you see this perfect relationship where the Father bears witness to the Son. This is my Son with whom I'm pleased, who I've sent to be the light of the world, to be the saviour of the world, to rescue those that are in darkness. And that's where Jesus gets his authority from, from obedience and submission. And it, and it, and it must be, there's a lesson there for us, for, for you and I. Because we too, it's very easy to kind of, the, the, the sort of the, the spirit of the age, the culture today is almost like you need to be as independent and free as you can. Do what you've got to do. Do things your way. Live it how you want to live it. Live your life. And it can be tempting to be thinking that we should want to kind of crave away. But in fact, the very opposite. We should be those who are saying, no, I'm, I'm in complete dependence. The Father, uh, everything I do comes out of who I am in him. I'm a, I'm a child of God. And that when we, when we know that and receive it and walk in it, we, we have an authority that means we can't be knocked off our perch by naysayers and this and that. Because you know, I know who I am. Challenge will come against me. Tough times will come against me. Hardship comes against me. But I know who I am. I know who I am in God. As the son says, I know where I've come from. I know who I am. And we too know I've been adopted. I'm, 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 I'm a child of God, saved by grace, walking in the light. And nothing can knock me off course when it comes to those truths and those foundations. That is kind of, if you like, everything that we do, how we operate as Christians comes out of our relationship with him. And the privileges we get in actually knowing the Father. I've got a mate who for years, his dad used to travel loads. So he had like one of them fancy airport lounge cars membership. And for years, he basically would just go into the airport lounges um, and, and kind of would go in because he's, he's Mr. So-and-so. They, they share the same name. And after a while, I think his dad was getting some notifications. Like, oh, it's nice for you to have a visit with us. He's thinking, I didn't go to the airport. <laughs> it turns out he, his son was just going. I mean, maybe the principle of being deceptive is not the one I'm trying to get out there. But the principle is that, that it was because of who his father is that he had complete access, that he, that he could access these things. It wasn't because of who he was. It was because he shared the name of his father. And, 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 and it's the same for us. We share his name. We... We, 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 and this is what Jesus and we operate with him. And in that we get so much privilege, so much access, and we know who we are and the authority that comes with it. And the Pharisees, they, they, they just miss it. They start saying, well, who is your father? They're thinking in the flesh. Where's Joseph? Not seen him around here for a while. Jesus, <laughs> you don't know my father. I'm not, I'm not talking about earthly, spiritual. 
And, and it goes back to a point that Andrew said in the very first week that sometimes skeptics of Christianity, we want to, you present them Jesus, but they won't even want to talk about suffering or, or sexuality or this or that. And, and that's kind of the first thing they want to look at. Whereas as believers, we go, no, it's everything we do, we look at who Jesus is and then we look at those things through the lens of who Jesus is. And you see it with these Pharisees, the perfect example. I am the light of the world. There's only one of you giving that testimony. It'd be like me saying to someone, Jesus loves you, has died for your sins, has given you peace with God, has, has given you eternal life. And they say, oh yeah, but what about dinosaurs? And they, you're missing the point. You're really missing the point. And these Pharisees, they're, they're missing just the gold of who Jesus is because they're caught up on these, on these cynical things and they're trying to trick him up. But it doesn't deter Jesus. He says, he, he says it straight. And so you've, you get this declaration of Jesus. And in fact, if you keep reading the chapter in terms of Jesus being the light of the world, when you keep reading on into the next chapter, you'll see that not only does Jesus declare it, he actually also wants to demonstrate it. There's a man who's walking blind and Jesus opens up his eyes that he might see again. Literally a, a physical representation of a man that was in darkness and now he's in light. That is true for all of us that once spiritually we were blind, but now we can see he's, he's demonstrated he's the light of the world. And he declares it. And then he, the father bears witness to it. And then we see in the final thing, that actually Jesus is going to point that his resurrection demonstrates it. And so in the next few verses, uh, if, if you kind of keep, keep reading on, Jesus says in verse 28, so Jesus said to them, this is, he's still going back and forth with, with some of these Jewish people. When, he says to them, when you've lifted up the son of man, you will know that I am he. We get another I am statement there. I am he. And I act out the Father's authority. The context for these next few verses, 21 through, is that Jesus has moved away from light and darkness and has just given them some pretty stern warnings. He says, verse 21, you know, seek me. If you don't seek me, you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you can't come. Verse 24, I told you, you will die in your sin unless you believe in me. These are, these are stark warnings. Jesus is telling them straight. Say it to us straight, if you do not follow Jesus, if you do not, you will walk in darkness and you will die in your sin. And there are severe consequences for that. But at the same time, he gives them hope. But whoever believes, whoever follows, that doesn't have to be your story. That doesn't have to be where you go. That doesn't have to be how it ends for you. It doesn't have to be where it goes. He wants to give them the reality of sin and death. And he's trying to say to him, you know what? You, you can't see it. You, you can't grasp it now. And in the end, you're going to be the ones who try to get me killed. It's the Jewish people that submit him over to, to Pilate to be killed and crucified. They're the ones who kill him. So he says, when you get me killed, when you have me, when you have the Son of Man lifted up, because though you think you put me in the grave, what you've meant for evil, what the enemy used for evil, God's going to use it for good. You, I'm actually going to be lifted up. He's talking about his resurrection. And he's saying, that when I'm lifted up, when I rise again from the grave, though you can't see it now, trust me, you're going to see it. And by then it's going to be too late. And it's the same warning for us. One day you'll see it. One day you'll stand before God and you will see these things are true. And in that moment, for those that have denied Jesus and have said no, in the end it'll be too late. There's a warning. But he's telling them, listen, trust me, I'm telling you now you're going to see it. When the stone is rolled and the tomb is empty, you're going to see it. When the perishable 
becomes imperishable. You're going to see it. When death is swallowed up in victory and the light breaks out and the death and the grave has been conquered, you're going to see it. When the life and light break out into the world and there's nothing that darkness can do to claw it back, you're going to see it. When light comes and the gospel spreads from nation to nation around the world, even to this very day where the gospel and the good news of Jesus goes far and wide, you're going to see it. When I'm raised again and I'm in glory with my Father, you're going to see it. When the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, you're going to see it. He says, it's coming. This is The, the light will come. The resurrection will come. L eternal life will come. And you're going to see it. The light that cannot be dimmed, cannot be put out, cannot be snuffed out, cannot be stopped or slowed down or, or, or put out. No way. Because I said the darkness, it cannot be overcome. The light is coming. I am the light of the world. And you're going to see it. And he pleads and he invites, come and see, walk in the light of life. But what the enemy is meant for evil, they, they, they try to subdue it. It's, it's like when um, you, you try and hold like a, a ball under the water to submerge it and pull it down. You, you hold it there, but once you let go, it's like, psh, they thought that they was putting him in the grave. They thought they were snuffing out his light, but all they was doing was propelling as he resurrects and his light shines. And as we come to close, the, the passage, I love the way it ends, because it says that after saying all this, as he was saying all these things, many believed in him. There's an invitation for us to believe in him. There's an invitation for us to, maybe for the first time, to believe in him. But also for many of us that have been walking with God, there's an invitation to say, I'm going to follow God. I want to walk in the light of God. I want him to be my light and my source and my guide. The true light of the world, the only light the resurrection life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that he has declared who he is. I am the light of the world. And Lord, we thank you that that is true for all of us in these dark days, in these tough times, in these hard circumstances, though there may be dark days ahead. Lord, we know that we've always got a light that can never be put out. Lord, we, we've always got one and I want to pray for all of us. Help us to hold on to that. Help us to be those who, who walk with the Father, who, who know who we are in him as children of the light, as we walk in these days, we pray. And Lord, for those who don't know you, for those who have been walking in darkness, Lord, I pray may they receive that invitation to walk in the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.